Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and I'm by myself today, even though I am the co-host. You will have to excuse Charlie is not here, still just having a hard time. You know, we did have to do two hours of podcasting last week, and he has not recovered yet. As you guys can understand, that's that's a lot. You know, that's it's really tough work, and he's still trying to recover from all of that really tough work towards the podcast. So, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers to Charlie at home right now. And uh, maybe uh, I'm sure he's losing his voice or whatever. I wouldn't wouldn't understand. You know, some people have it really tough. Well, today we're going to talk about what happened with the midterms just a little bit. I haven't paid that much attention to it, except for I I did not expect that the Senate was going to end up being maybe 51-49. We'll see how Georgia goes. I didn't think that Nevada seat was going to go towards a Democrat. That was surprising. There have been some, uh, of course, allegations. Uh, I guess we'll mention a couple of those things. But listen, that's not what, that's never been what we did on this show. Uh, We've never gone for all of the theories about stolen elections. We have always maintained that those things are very possible. But I got to see proof of stuff. I got I always got to see proof. And we'll talk about that also when we talk about Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX in a bit. Really, just really, really great theories about what happened here. I love them. I tweeted out this weekend. Love them. I, I hope they're true. I want it to be so true. But I haven't seen anything yet that shows me that it's true. I love talking about it. I love speculating about this whole money laundering scheme. From the Democrats to Ukraine back to the Democrats. I think it's amazing. But I got to see something. I got to see something on it. Other than that, it's just a theory. It's just speculation. All right. So Nevada did end up going for the incumbent, uh, Cortez Masto, I believe. Uh, That was surprising. Uh, Here, the election desk, desk at Good Morning Liberty had already called that for the Republican so we we got that wrong. I'm sorry. As it stands right now, it's 50-49 in the Senate. We don't know how Georgia is going to play out. Looks like the Republicans will get the majority in the House, though, so we will get just a little bit of gridlock. Other than that, couldn't say I care all that much. I just really don't. We're still dealing with this gubernatorial election in Arizona. Carrie Lake says that uh, she's going to win for sure. Uh, the the vote the vote totals haven't shown that yet, but she said that it's a sure end. She's a she's a lock. Like I said, she reminds me of someone. I can't think of who it is. Not gonna say you know. We know I can't say who it is. It's Trump. She reminds me of Trump, for sure. Now, when it comes to all of the theories about the elections, of course, every, anything is possible. What really bothers us is when. You throw out this idea. Okay, you know, the uh, cameras, the live camera, the, li- the live feed went dark for eight hours. And then the next day, well, well looks like all of a sudden the Democrats had. Okay. Uh, these majority Republican districts, the uh, voting machines, were messed up. That's weird, right? Isn't that kind of weird that something like that happens? You think you had enough time to prepare for this thing. Make sure you got enough paper out there. Make sure the voting machines are working. But I don't know. 
you know, I've never ran an election before. I guess it's uh, pretty, I guess it's pretty tough. Not sure. All these things are possible, but I, I just don't go that route because I don't know. I don't have the proof. What bothers me is when people say, no, it's not possible. This person is making a false accusation that there was something going on. You see that in the media all the time, falsely alleging that there's fraud. The news organization doesn't know whether or not there was fraud. I saw that a bunch as I was searching things about some of the uh, some of the allegations that have come up in the last week or so. Falsely alleging fraud. You don't you don't know that there isn't fraud. And so when you just say no, no, there is no fraud. It didn't happen. That's what bothers me because you have to maintain the position that anything is possible, even if there isn't any proof. It, it could still be possible. It just needs to be proven by the person that's making the allegation that it hasn't been proven yet. The other thing that we have to realize is that the rhetoric in our elections, to me, it builds a really strong foundation for all of the voter fraud accusations that get made. I think both sides are guilty of this, but if you just look in the last couple elections here, you just have to imagine if Trump, if Donald Trump is literally... Hitler. He's actually Hitler. You guys have heard about Hitler before. It wasn't good. I don't know. You were taught in school, but it wasn't good. And if Trump is actually Hitler, then why wouldn't you do everything in your power to make sure that he doesn't win re-election? Why wouldn't you? If, if he's literally Hitler and you don't do everything in your power to stop him, then you're kind of a bad person, right? Of course he would do anything that you could. What about in this election? If Republicans win, we're literally going to lose our democracy. And in this case, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. What they mean is your right to vote, our right as citizens to feel like we actually have a say-so in what happens, even though we really don't. And we will lose that right. Well, if you were going to lose that and we were going to descend into some totalitarian hellhole, wouldn't you do anything you could to stop that from happening? If you wouldn't, then once again, you're kind of a bad person. So when the stakes are so high and then people, they're like, no, no, there's no way that we would cheat. It's got to be free and fair. I mean, if we vote for fascism, it's for fascism. You know, that's, it just, it is what it is. I mean, that sucks, but I guess we're just going to be a fascist dictatorship after this election. You know, what are you going to do? You got to, you got to respect the outcome of the election. So it's kind of weird. And I do see, uh, yeah, midterm elections. This is another thing that has, that has bothered me. And to me, um, the news channels have actually, I don't think they meant to make the point, but they're saying like, well, this is historic in the fact that the outcome of this election is not keeping with history. You always see, you see these big flips after the a, a new president gets in power. We saw it in 2010, 1994. Looks like we saw a decent one in 1978. 1966, 47 seats. And in 2022, we get, yeah, plus 4 million votes, plus 9 seats. 2022 on track to be the lowest GOP seat pickup under any first-term Democrat president since JFK. And I heard a news station making that case. Uh, thanks, Magoo, for posting it out there. Um, 
I heard someone make that case. And I was like, actually, that's not, that's, when you say that this is historic and typically you see a massive landslide in the other direction and you have all the people talking about some of the funny business going on, um, yeah, that doesn't help. That doesn't help your case at all. How did this happen? We have 40-year record inflation, you know? We got that going on. We got a we got a war going on. We're fighting a war against Russia right now. You guys know that? I mean, we're we're paying other people to do it for us, but we're fighting a war against Russia. That's kind of crazy. Our president's approval ratings are absolutely god awful, embarrassingly low. People are upset about what's going on in the schools. They're upset about all sorts of things. And I guess the only thing that mattered in this election was the right to kill kids or maim them, whichever one, you know, you make your choice, whatever you want to do. And, and we have this and we don't get the big swing in the other direction. I get it. I totally get it. I just wish that if I were making a circumstantial case, then yes, everything lines up circumstantially. It does. But I've watched enough Dateline to know that I can't go with circumstantial cases. Even though they make complete and total sense, all the incentives line up, I got it. So the only thing I can ever say is, well, why don't we just try to make the election systems better? Let's do what we can. And then there's one other thing. There's one annoying thing that I would say, because I don't know what else to do. I'm not sure what else to do. If we're just going to say it's rigged and we can't win, well, let's all just give up. You know, let's just start a civil war. Nothing else we can do. So if I have to look at personal responsibility as much as possible first, it's not really my personal responsibility. This would go for the Republican Party, but whatever. If I were going to suggest that they do this, did they do everything that they could to win this election? Did they put up the best people possible to win this? You know, yesterday, last night, I saw my Dallas Cowboys lose in overtime to the Green Bay Packers. Screw the Packers. As usual, I'm sick of them. And I just hate them because Aaron Rodgers never got that vax. That's really the problem, right? And in overtime, there was a clear, clear pass interference penalty that should have gone against the Packers in favor of the Cowboys, giving them a first down on the drive towards scoring in overtime. Clear just plain obvious right out there in front of everyone. You're not supposed to hold the guy's arms down while he's trying to go up and catch a ball. Okay. It's just a thing. Now I could be sitting here just complaining about that today. I could, or the, or the Cowboys, the people who actually were doing this could be just complaining about that today. I'm sure they are some, but also did they do everything they could during the game to make sure that that one play didn't determine the outcome? That that one penalty, that one time that it was missed where someone cheated or broke the rules and it didn't get called out, well, that ended up swinging the entire game. Was there anything else they could have done beforehand to fix it? Yeah, there's plenty of things. They were up by 14 points in the beginning of the fourth quarter. All right, there's plenty of stuff. Dak threw two interceptions. Okay, let's stop talking about football for a second. Sure. Could the, could the Republicans have done any better? Could they have chosen any better candidates? 
Could they have ran better campaigns? Could they have talked about the issues more? Could they have won by so much that there was no way any amount of election fraud would be able to beat them without it just being clearly obvious? Do you think that there could have been enough election fraud in Florida to beat Ron DeSantis in this election or enough fraud in Texas to beat Abbott in this election? I don't, uh, Magoo said, yeah, Ro, Roe v. Wade deal still that, yes, without the Supreme Court, by the way, um, without the Supreme Court doing the Roe v. Wade thing, I think this does go for the land, the landslide for Republicans. I do think that that was the swing. Clearly, a lot of young people came out to vote. And then you've got the whole, uh, you know, we're going to pay for your college thing. We're going to cancel your student debt, which was obviously made up. And they never intended on doing it. I mean, what was it, two days after the election? Fifth Circuit Court comes out and says, nah, no, it's unconstitutional. And it is unconstitutional. And it probably isn't ever going to happen, just like we said it was never going to happen. But you know what they're going to do? They're probably going to reapply for this uh, a little bit late, a little late. Uh, that way, the Republican House can end up blocking uh, this Administrative Procedures Act that has this 30-day rule uh, that they didn't follow. I think they'll reapply a little bit late until there's a Republican Congress. And then the Republican Congress is not going to allow this to go through. And then they'll be able to use this again in the next election, saying that the Republicans stopped the student debt cancellation from happening. Now everything, everything is way worse. And you must elect Democrats to make sure that the student debt gets canceled. That's, that's just what I think I'll have to wait two years to find out what it is they're going to do. So let's go into something else other than this election. And I didn't expect to start off with a 15-minute monologue about the elections there. I thought that was going to take like two minutes. So I guess we'll have to run through this FTX thing. By now, everyone has heard about what's going on with FTX. Sam Bankman-Fried... Uh, seems to be, I don't know if he's on the run, not sure if they found them yet. The dude was tweeting last night. Uh, but it seems like this whole FTX thing didn't turn out very well. And this is from Reuters, this post right here, at least $1 billion of client funds missing at the failed crypto firm. I've heard it's between $1 to $2 billion in client funds that are missing. If you haven't been paying attention, this massive crypto firm called FTX, which you've probably seen tons of commercials for, even the Super Bowl commercials. I believe the Miami Heat, I think their arena has something to do with FTX. That's awkward, you know? How quickly do you get that name off the building? Like pretty, pretty quick. You got to start taking the logos off of stuff. It like gets kind of awkward when there's people there and you're talking about it and you say FTX and everyone's like, ooh, that's weird. I don't think they're going to ever come back. All right. Now, we're going to go into what everyone's saying on this whole FTX thing. And there's a new conspiracy theory. I absolutely love the conspiracy theory. So we're going to go into it. I say conspiracy theory, okay? And so Tom Fitton, I'm saying this because Elon Musk responded to it. We'll just get this whole theory started. While the Biden gang has been harassing and threatening Elon Musk and his companies, one of the worst scams in modern finance was being per perpetuated under their nose by a regular White House Hill visitor and the second biggest Democratic donor. Elon Musk says SBF, that's Sam Bankman-Free, 
was a major Democratic donor, so no investigation. All right, let's get into what this whole, whole conspiracy theory is saying. This is from the Gateway Pundit. They say, the headline of this, I also saw this on, I think, Michael Savage, and I saw some other people posting about it. Bunch of your obscure, more right-leaning websites. FTX appears to be a political Ponzi scheme running dollars to politicians and through Ukraine. Now, I absolutely love this theory. Here's the deal. FTX was set up in Ukraine, helping them. Crypto, very popular in Ukraine. All right. We take a lot of money. And by we, I mean mainly Democrats vote to take a lot of your money, send it to Ukraine. And then SBF, the person who runs FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, when I say SBF, I'm talking about, he then takes money and donates it back to Democrats and then they win elections and keep their power. And of course, the whole money laundering cycle just keeps going. Oh God, that's amazing. I love it. I hope it's true. I hope it's so true. Are we ever going to know it's true? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We will not know. But let's go through some of this. Here's the problem with this conspiracy theory. And I will say conspiracy because that would be a conspiracy. And this is a theory. The FTX collapse is just another day in the life of Democrat, and this is from Gateway Pundit, of Democrat and rhino corruption in the U.S. Democrats and rhinos working together. This scandal involves Ukraine as well. As mentioned previously, the FTX crypto company gave at least $40 million to Democrat candidates and causes in the midterms. FTX also happens to be related to Ukraine. First cousins, something like that. The far-left Washington Post reported on March 3rd that Ukraine was dealing in crypto. Here's from the Washington Post. The Ukrainian government has gathered more than $42 million in cryptocurrency donations since Saturday. This is back in March. Plus digital artwork, including a limited edition worth roughly $200,000. That must have been one of those uh, Hunter Biden paintings. According to blockchain analytics... The challenge is how the country cashes in on these assets to fund its war needs. Less than a week later, FTX made the news for involving itself in Ukraine. So here's the deal. They set up this donation thing where you can donate in cryptocurrency to Ukraine. And FTX takes that, they transition that into fiat money so they can then deposit that to Ukraine. Yeah, you guys can see. You guys can see how this whole conspiracy train is moving right now. It sounds really good. I really like it. Amid the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the CEO, Sam Bankman-Free, has come forward to help a crypto donation project. He humbly announced that FTX will be supporting the Ukrainian Ministry of Finance and other communities in collecting crypto donations for the country. The Ukrainian government has received over 60 million in crypto donations from all over the world. FTX's CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, highlighted that the war in Ukraine has been dragging on. The country is in full need of humanitarian help and access to global financial infrastructure. He also called attention to sanctions and crypto during this kind of situation. FTX has stressed across all of its regulatory and policy efforts, active coordination and communication with regulators and policymakers is crucial to ensuring that laws and rules achieve their intended outcome. Pointing out the urgency to help the nation, SBF announced that the team is honored to support the Ukrainian Ministry of Finance in simplifying the donation process. 
How much in the billions going to Ukraine went to the Bidens and their corrupt friends? Guys, that was the entire article. That was the, that was the whole thing. That was the entire article. And the one from Michael Savage's website was the exact same thing too. The headlines to these things are really cool. They're great. The idea is amazing. But that is it. It's just a headline. Does that mean that it's not true? Absolutely the hell not. It doesn't mean it's not true. It just means that no one has presented any evidence of it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Don't you wish life came with a user manual? I know I've needed that many times in the past, but unfortunately, we don't get that user manual. You're just sort of left to figure it out on your own and hope you're making the best decisions. Maybe it's a career change, a relationship. Maybe you're a new parent. It's pretty easy to feel very stuck. Well, we don't have that user manual, but we do have BetterHelp. Therapists can help you figure out that whole stuck feeling, help you build better coping skills and work through your tough decisions. Now, I've done therapy before. In fact, some of the best life changes I've made came while I was talking to a therapist. It was tough at the time, and I know I didn't want to do it. I didn't know how it was going to work out, but I am glad that I did it. It's not really about a therapist making your decisions for you, by the way. It's about becoming a healthier version of yourself so you can make the best decisions on your own. As I've mentioned before, our co-host, Charlie, is a consistent user of BetterHelp as well. He loves it, and I know BetterHelp is helping him make it through the tough times. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash GML. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash GML. What we know so far is that there's a donation service set up in Ukraine where you could donate crypto and FTX was going to facilitate that, transfer it, turn it into money, give it to Ukraine. Now that's one way. That's people giving to FTX. FTX transfers and the money goes into the bank of Ukraine. What we don't have is the money from the U.S. government gets sent to Ukraine and then Ukraine buys FTT coin and then they take that and then they give it back to Democrats in the U.S. None of these articles talk about that. What the heck are you guys talking about in the live group right now? I'm not even going to repeat it. Jeez. It's a good thing there's no kids in here. Okay, sorry, I just got um. I I just I, I just looked over here at the chat and it was it wasn't what I expected. So, <laughs> are they really? That's crazy. Okay, yeah. Anyway, you got to go to joingmail.com to figure out what the heck is going on in the chat. All right. So once again, with this conspiracy theory, absolutely love it. I want someone to actually give me some proof. But let's go into the more important part of this. We'll see if they'll, we'll ever figure this thing out, but unfortunately we probably won't because crypto is pretty good at being secretive. You know, it's tough to figure out where the transactions came from and where they went. That's kind of the whole point. So it's going to be pretty tough. They, even, even the blaze, they didn't go as far as to talk about this. It's more gateway pundit, Michael Savage, stuff like that. Their headline was, FTX has ties to Ukrainian government, World Economic Forum, and top Biden advisor. And what that means is FTX operates this donation thing in Ukraine. WEF, World Economic Forum, lists them as a partner on their website. 
And I think a top Biden advisor, I didn't find what the advisor thing was. There's a whole bunch of nothing in there. It's not really any new information. They have ties to people. I want this to be true, but I need more information. Why am I talking about this right now? Because it's very important that we seek the truth, but we don't assume that we know everything. We don't go out there and talk like we know that this is true when we have no information to back it up. Kind of ties into our election conversation at the beginning. You should always be open to the possibility of things. But assuming that you know and then just going for it like you know it and then spreading that online and then nothing ever comes from it, you're kind of doing a disservice. We just got to work on figuring out if this is true and I don't know how to do it. All right. We also, we know that he gave a lot of money to Democrats and that's why this isn't going to be quite as big of a story as it could have been, but there's something like $38 million went to Democrats, second only to George Soros. So we know that whole part. I found the article from Coindesk and several others where they talk about Ukraine partnering with, partnering with FTX. I'll put links to all of this stuff in the show notes. But none of it's showing the smoking gun of them taking money that Congress was allocating to Ukraine and then buying FTX's coin, which is FTT, and then Sam bankman fried taking that coin, cashing it out, and give it to the Democrats. It's an amazing idea, but no one has found any links to it. Here's the more important part of the story, in my opinion, because this one happens to be easily provable because it's, uh, it's true and we know it. This article from the Washington Post talks about how SBF was charming Washington and then the whole thing imploded. Now, he was out there working for regulation all the time. The other thing he was out there working for was donation all the time donate your money. You don't want to be rich. You you don't want to have that. It's it's actually bad to be to be rich. That's actually immoral to be rich. But he was out there making all this money so he could then give it away to people. You see he was an altruist. And so we're going to read through this. So in the Washington Post, Sam Bankman-Fried, the 30-year-old wonder wonder kind, that's what that says of cryptocurrency. Maybe that's wonder kid, spent tens of millions of dollars over the past year trying to reshape how Washington and the world think about finance. The crypto exchange he founded, the crypto exchange he founded, FTX, has become an industry-dominating business in just three years, valued at $32 billion as recently as January. He amassed political clout in an even bigger hurry, emerging from obscurity to become the second biggest Democratic donor in the midterm elections. So the Washington Post does mention that, and that's pretty cool. By Friday, SPF had resigned from FTX, which then filed for bankruptcy. On Saturday, the company revealed it was investigating unauthorized transactions, they said worth more than $400 million. His appearance, super casual manner, and earnest insistence that he was trying to use his money to save the world, Bankman-Fried stood apart from the stereotype of crypto brats blowing instant riches on Lamborghinis and yachts. He saw himself as using his fortune for good, not greed. See, this guy, like I said, was an altruist. How his career careened off course is a tale of ambition, hubris, and ultimately recklessness. SPF was using his political clout to sell Washington on a regulatory regime that promised to work to his advantage. The contrasts were glaring, 
and never easily reconciled, SBF was pressing for federal regulation even as he dodged U.S. oversight from his corporate headquarters in the Bahamas. But he was out there working for U.S. regulation. You see, he was an altruist. He was out there to save the world, to give money to all the right causes, and he was out there pushing for regulation. It just so happened to be that the regulation that he was pushing was going to be very easy for his company to handle and not so easy for everyone else's companies to handle. Isn't it weird how that happens? So SPF was using his clout to sell Washington on a regime that was promised to work to his advantage. That set the stage for his most formidable adversary. We'll call him CZ, who's the chief executive of Binance. On Sunday, CZ announced that he was selling his investment at FTX, and that ended up creating this whole cascade. Big old sell-off. When he fled, all the other FTX customers panicked, and they didn't have enough money to cover all the withdrawals. Raised in the Bay, let's get into him just a little bit here. Raised in the Bay Area by parents who were Stanford Law professors, Bankman Freed headed east for college studying physics and math at MIT. While there, he developed an interest in effective altruism, a philosophy that encourages adherents to earn as much as they can so they can donate as much as possible to minimize suffering in the world. In Washington, SBF embraced the halo effect conferred by his philanthropic work. A billboard advertising FDX went up in Union Station featuring a smiling photo with him saying, I'm, on, I'm in on crypto to make a global impact for good. They didn't talk about how some other people in the industry weren't quite so happy about him because he was out there pushing for regulations all the time. Of course, regulations that he would be able to get around, but not so much everyone. Ending suffering by funding war machines. That is also an interesting, interesting point there, T-Dub. I don't know exactly uh, how he worked that out in his mind. Maybe he didn't. Maybe we'll never know. I don't know if he's ever going to answer that question. So here's the problem with this altruistic approach. To me, it sets up the wrong, it sets up the wrong incentive process for how and why you're going to make the money. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I'm a big fan of Ayn Rand. I won't bore you with all of that stuff. But to me, this is the problem. This is someone who decided that they were going to do good with someone else's money. And by that, I don't mean that, you know, I don't mean that he stole it because obviously people used FTX. They freely used FTX. We know that. So he wasn't stealing all of the money. But he basically set up the scheme where he was just going to facilitate transactions of other people's money and he was going to rake and then he was going to fund whatever he wanted. I guess he was going to fight climate change and all the terrible stuff that there is out there. So I'm going to play this video for everyone because I think that this is perfect. This is so great. And look at this guy. He's going to be so good at managing everyone's money because he doesn't care about money. Now, keep that in mind. How good is someone who doesn't care about money going to do at managing everyone else's money? And when his only goal is to fund all these causes around the world, and it's, it's not really for himself whatsoever. I'm not saying you have to be selfish, but are you really going to build a strong foundation for your business when you are just solely working for the benefit of mankind. You're not going to do anything to ever help yourself. You're a kid also, by the way, 
and you're just dealing in other people's money, what ends up happening? I'm going to go through this other article from Coindesk after we watch this nice video of how good this person is. But Sam is not a traditional billionaire because he believes in the concept of earn to give, which means his goal as a human is to make as much money as possible just to give it away, earn to give. And that's exactly what he's doing. So let's say that you have $100 and you wanna figure out what you can do with it to help the world. Earning to give is thinking about which causes, which charities save the most lives per dollar. This $100 can go as far as it possibly can to help the world. Last year, this 29-year-old guy donated $50 million. Next year, he's planning to donate $500 million a year. And next decade, he will probably give away more than $10 billion. The amount of good that you can do uh, for the future of the world is, is really large and it's way more than you can do to actually make yourself happy with anything like that amount of money. And he is funding everything you can think of. Global warming. It's one of the biggest problems that we have to tackle together as a world. COVID-19 preparedness. We have to be ready for the next pandemic. Neglected tropical diseases. More than a billion people suffer from them. We have to eliminate these diseases. And of course, animal welfare. Animals deserve to live just like we do. It's also why I'm vegan. Sam doesn't need the money to buy a Lamborghini or to buy a Rolex or to impress his friends. In fact, his car is a Toyota Corolla. Hold on, Where, where's your car? It's uh, that one there. That's like what, a Toyota? Uh, yeah, it's a Corolla. Why don't you buy a Lamborghini, man? It didn't have any particular need for one. He wants to get rich in order to impact the world and change it. Okay. That is almost the end of that. It starts to seem like a Saturday, Saturday Night Live skit to me. Uh, it, it starts to get so ridiculous. But this is why he was out there trying to make that money. Allegedly. Now I say all this... <laughs> Allegedly, because I happen to love the conspiracy theory, as I've mentioned, I think several times by now. Absolutely love it. Man, I need someone to go out there and prove this conspiracy theory. It probably will never happen, but I really want someone to. So let's assume that he was out there for all of the reported reasons, this effective altruism. That's why he was out there. Well, I just found this article like 10 minutes before I went live. I have a bunch of notes written out on my thoughts on this whole effective altruism thing. And then I find this article from Coindesk. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly what I was going for. I want to tell you some of what I had to say and some of what uh, David Morris writing for Coindesk, how Sam Bakeman frieds effective altruism blew up FTX. And we'll just go down through the website here. In very broad strokes, effective altruists believe that making a lot of money to influence the world is a noble goal as long as you're very, very smart. And there is evidence that this mindset contributed to the decisions that have cost Bankman frieds victims billions of dollars. Last Thursday, the team behind FTX's philanthropic Future Fund resigned. Future Fund was set up to help implement Bankman frieds effective altruism playbook. There's reason to believe that the ethos of effective altruism enabled and even encouraged the disaster at every step along the way. Above all, Bankman-Fried's frequent public emphasis on philanthropy helped him garner positive press, 
political influence, and even investment. But effective altruism more specifically could have excused or encouraged behaviors that led to the downfall. I want to get to the part where he says, uh, this implies that he and FTX were always facilitating harm to his users, but the neoliberal and utilitarian underpinnings of effective altruism allowed him to justify that as a manner of consumer freedom. The less charitable summary of effective altruism then would be that it is a little more than a fancy way of saying the ends justify the means. Effective altruism also encompasses long-termism, which can read like another excuse for mercenary corner cutting today, so long as you commit your loot to improving tomorrow. And those are the exact notes that I put uh, earlier before reading this, that this actually incentivizes you to do anything. And I put in here, the ends always justify the means. Because if your goal is that you're going to rake in this money from this exchange, well, if you're going to change the world, if you're going to do good things, well, then you might do a few bad things to do that because the ends would justify the means, right? You're going to save a lot of people's lives somehow by funding the democratic war machine. And so when you aren't doing it for the right reasons, say just to provide value to people, and your whole foundation is I'm going to rake in some money so I can donate it to my causes, I think you end up blowing up in your face. Contrast that with the fact that Jeff Bezos just said that he is going to be giving away most of his massive fortune. He has a net worth right now of $124 billion. From what I could tell, the most that Bankman Free was worth was somewhere around $30 billion, something like that. And he was just giving away money. Just, just give away this money. I'm going to fund everything I want to do the whole time. We're just going to give away a billion dollars a year. He's basically running a welfare fund out of his business. As long as you assume that those were actually all the motives and this wasn't some giant conspiracy the whole time. I really hope it was, by the way, but we just have to go with what we know right now. So Bezos has decided he's going to give away most of his money. We know how this thing kind of goes. You put it into a fund and you, got, you don't got to pay taxes on it anymore. We know how this goes. All right. But he has always given away a lot of money to different charitable causes I think he just gave $100 million to Dolly Parton for her to give away to whatever charities she wanted to. Uh, that's pretty cool, you know? Dolly seems, seems to be pretty good at that stuff, too. But contrast these two things. Who was who going to end up doing better for the world? The person who said, I'm just going to start a crypto exchange. Uh, we're going to take a percentage off people. Um, the money that would come in, I'm not going to buy anything nice. I'm not going to do any yachts. I'm not going to do that kind of stuff. I'm just going to donate to political causes, or whatever of my choosing. I'm going to try and fight climate change and help animals, stuff like that. And that's just going to be the whole goal, like from day one. As soon as the money starts coming in, that's what I'm going to do. Or you get someone like Jeff Bezos, who I clearly disagree with a lot of stuff that he does, but I do think Amazon's pretty cool. He creates Amazon, totally changes the world. I don't know if everyone remembers, but we didn't have just two-day shipping or single-day shipping on everything. We didn't have the groceries delivered to our house before this time. Uh, he, he changed everything uh, with Amazon. Plus, you can get your college textbooks way faster, right? That's kind of the whole point. It's a joke. So he changes that whole thing. Millions of people to billions of people potentially helped in the process. He makes billions of dollars. He has a net worth of $124 billion. Most of that's in stock. We know that. Now he wants to do all this stuff, go into space, try and create energy in space. I don't think that's going to work out or whatever. But who's going to do a better job of this? This is a guy who created a company, a bunch of employees. They create 
value around the entire world. They change a bunch of people's lives and he gets a big net worth. And then you store up that really big net worth. And then you say, okay, now I got this arsenal of $124 billion and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to donate it to a bunch of worthless causes because that's what Jeff Bezos is going to do. Who's going to do a better job? Jeff Bezos is going to do a better job because now he's got the money. He's got the security. He's got the foundation. He's got all the value creation and all the value he's provided around the rest of the world. And now he's got all the money and he can take it and do whatever he wants with it. Instead of this other guy who was essentially running a giant welfare program that's already blown up. Which one's going to do better? Which was better, the altruist or the capitalist who wants to be philanthropic now? I think Jeff, Be- I think Jeff Bezos is going to do a lot better on this whole thing. Y'all, it's time for me to go because that's all I wanted to talk about today. Now, tomorrow, here's the big news. <laughs> is it good or bad? I don't know. I got to go out of town, all right? I'm going tomorrow night up to Illinois. This will be, tomorrow will be the last live show of the week. I already recorded a bunch of interviews today, and I got a bunch tomorrow before tomorrow's show. So there will be interviews that are coming out every day. Then the same thing will happen the following week, because it's Thanksgiving week. I will have Monday and Tuesday. I don't know what Charlie's going to be doing. Who cares? I got Monday and Tuesday, and I'm going to be leaving and going out for Thanksgiving. Okay? I'm sorry. We're getting into the holiday time right now. My mom's having surgery this week. I'm going to go up and help take care of her for the rest of the week. If you got a problem with that, turn off the show right now because we're not friends. Okay? That's what's going to be happening. Tomorrow, we're going to go through some of the dumb bleeps that I saw over the weekend because I'm not going to be here for Friday. There's been a lot of dumb stuff. I don't know if it'll be an official dumb bleep show, maybe overusing that whole thing a little bit, but I do want to count down some of the dumb stuff and then I want to have people vote on it. So you call it whatever you want, but make sure that you listen to tomorrow's show because we're going to count down some of the dumbest stuff I saw over the weekend. And if you want to call it dumb bleep of the week on a Tuesday, well, that's fine. That's up to you. It's a free country, I think. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Subscribe on the YouTubes, on the TikToks, on the Facebooks, on the podcast app, all that stuff. Tell a friend, tell a family member, and tell your children that we need more libertarians out there, at least philosophical libertarians, so we can fight this evil tyranny. Y'all do that. We'll be back again tomorrow. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.